Hi, welcome to another episode of Carnival of Randomness. As usual, I'm Rob. Zach's somewhere around here. I'm right next to you. We always have a problem on here because like the great movie, Krull, we're like the castle of the beast. We pop around, we pop up every other day. I don't know where we are today, do you know? Yeah, uh, we're somewhere, I don't know. Well, often we're left hung high and dry for a good guest. There but we're is. lucky today when we showed up, who's here but a member of the mighty high and dry, Kyle Vock. Yo. And can you say a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. I'm happy to be here today and uh, not going to spill the beans about where this secret location is, but uh, we are in a bit of a pickle, um, and that's all i got to say. But, uh, but yeah, very happy to be here and, um, and hype up uh, everything that is MHD. Uh, got some good, good shows on the horizon we'll talk about, and, uh, yeah, just uh, really happy to have been asked to be on here and, and, and hype it up. But you were actually in Woodstock, and not the little bird from Peanuts, actually Woodstock, New York, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just uh, had a really fun weekend. Um, was down there to see a show um, from a really, really great uh, singer-songwriter uh, named Mike Taylor. So it was a special weekend. And, uh, yeah, the, the other the other fellows were uh, pretty busy today. I think a couple of rehearsals. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. The life of musicians, huh? Le- life of musicians, yeah. It's a... Uh, it's today's Sunday, but it, it feels feels like uh, next year. Yeah, it feels like next year is already here. But, but you couldn't uh, mention who are the other members in the band. Sure, um, we got uh, Eric Caterley on guitar, who is a, a smoking guitar player, smoking blues guitarist, but but can play pretty much anything. Um, and and he's been he's been tickling the twine with us for uh, gosh a couple of years now. And, and we're really, really happy to, to, to be working with him. Uh, and we got Alex Cote on, on drums, who uh, is a really, really talented uh, drummer, vocalist, and, and writer, and, and as well as Eric. They both uh, have contributed so many tunes already to, to our sound. And uh, uh, Alex is, is still in his 20s. You know, we're all really jealous of his age. We don't want to tell him that. Damn kids. But... Uh, but yeah, you know he's he's a really talented dude, and he's um, a member of some other great projects too. So we're we're just lucky to have him, and um, and uh, and then of course Alan Murphy, who uh, uh, um, is a tremendous musician and a force uh, tour de force in Rochester, um, multifaceted guitarist, composer, pianist, vocalist, um, and yeah, we we have a our. We've we finished three you know full length albums and we're we're really happy about this last one. It's um, uh, not too. I think it's just from from 2018. So uh, that was only last year. That was only last year, and it, to think it's it just turned March and oh my gosh, driving here today, I'm like, I actually drove through quite a bit of snow on the way back from Woodstock yesterday. And, oh. Um, it's kind of like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? But uh, how did you get together with this for this band? Uh, so Mighty High and Dry goes back to, um, let's see, probably the year 20, I, I graduated from Eastman in 2010, and, um, I would say probably late in 2010, or even, or maybe early 2011, I did a gig with Alan Murphy at the Genesee Valley Club. Uh, we did a trio gig with a drummer named Paul Mastriani, I'll have to drop his name, he's a great drummer, um. Yeah, we did a jazz trio gig, and it just went really well. A lot of stuff clicked, and I think Alan pulled out some some really nice R&B stuff and, and um, sang standards, and, and it was just a, a cool night, and everything really clicked. So from from then, I think Alan and I had uh, just arranged to get together and talk music and jam a bit. And, um, uh, and of course, I was playing a lot of upright at the time. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of how things started, is us just jamming, and then... I found out how, how big a body of work he's got, you know, or he had written. Um, so somewhere along the line, I convinced him to, you know, try to, rec- we should, you know, try to record that stuff. And um, But at the same time, we were also definitely willing to do lots of covers because I remember, you know, we had an early incubatorial period. Is that a word, incubatorial? I remember a now. friend of mine, Kim Dreheim, <laughs> who's been around for years playing, he said, but in terms of covers, that maybe I can write three good songs a year, but there's all these great songs out there for interpretations. I thought, it's pretty cool to do that then. Yeah, yeah, covers are something that I, I don't know, um, 
it's it's a part of playing music, right? Like when even in the way that they teach it in school, they had a slogan at Eastman called, or that went something like, uh, Im imitate, uh, assimilate, innovate, um, and then in, in something like that order, maybe like assimilate, imitate, and then innovate. And so it's kind of you know proof that if if you hadn't heard any music, what the hell would come out of you, you know? And and we have to be informed by humanity on some sort of a timeline. And yes. I think that that's well. And they they do say imitation is the sincerest form of uh, mm. flatter, sure or flattery. And you have to think if you are willing to have a band of your own and cover somebody else's song, it means that song meant something to you. So mm -hmm. I don't know why artists would get upset that their works were being covered. Yeah. Because it shows that they've had an influence on other I people. I think the only one who does is Captain Beefheart, who, doesn't like, <laughs> who didn't like tribute bands. Yeah. or any, well, If you were going to play his kind of music, too, you had to be pretty out there to try to do Trope Mask Replica. Or Prince. Yeah. But Dylan himself said Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower is the best. Oh, mm. it, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's a lo world's better than that. And Dylan's. Dylan covered a lot of folk songs and everything himself, so it's... Yeah. yeah. And I think that, yeah, it was just kind of early on a huge part of our... Finding our sound, I think, once we really just took took that dive into straight up original stuff. So um, it was pretty eclectic at the beginning because we had Chris Teal on drums uh, and Mike Frederick on guitar, two uh, other Eastman graduates who, uh, like along along with Alan Murphy, um, yeah, studied studied jazz music and uh, um, and so they were their interests were all over the place. But our early incubator was what I'd say being uh, we were like. When we were placed up in the window like mannequins at uh, in the South Wedge there at uh, Beale Street, um, the Beale Street, yeah, like the the barbecue place yeah. there, and and it's just funny because, uh, gosh, I remember playing there on Sundays for for like a pitcher of beer and like fifty bucks, and uh, but we tried lots of stuff there. You know, you're I mean? better than Hayes Carl because so. I don't know if you know this story. Hayes Carl, the country singer, when he started out in Galveston, he played at some place owned by the mob, and I guess he said he started out on Wednesdays, and it would say Wednesday night specials, two dollar pitchers of beer, four dollar wings, and Hayes Carl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we drank a lot of. Uh, gosh, I don't even know what the hell they they gave us that was on tap that was cheap, but. Uh, Jenny Cream. But it was, uh, it was yeah, the band giving them the cheapest possibly. stuff. <laughs> so, but it was neat though, because that you know that was uh, really only about sixty yards from from Alan's place, which is where we ended up having quite a lot of uh, ritualistic Sunday rehearsals. And I know. think that's how you get together too. The more you get together and gel and play and everything, that's how you come together. Yep, yep. So we we did a lot of that, like kind of just raw bar band blues band sounding stuff that was the question i was going to ask i like mm. your music a lot free, free plug or you well, wouldn't thanks. be here well otherwise you wouldn't be here unless you were going to give us money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so otherwise but is I that can't, how this works i can't really describe this band in terms of like i think you're all over the place it's yeah yeah it's it's definitely um i think it's it's pretty eclectic in terms of what we what we can do and what we what we like to do you know and and uh, and also sometimes what what comes to um the various writers in the group um and i guess i guess we've all written at some point but but the main writing really coming from alan uh the, the main bulk of it um and uh and then runners up would be alex and uh and, and eric um but but yeah all, all that stuff is coming from a lot of influences and and it's interesting because you know uh alan alan murphy just finished a, a residency at three heads um where where he got to really kind of delve into some of his Stronger. I was going to talk you know, about that so. too. That was really. I was at some of the shows, and I know you played at the last one, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Thursday. We did our last one we did uh, of the of his month was yeah, like the the full mighty high and dry assembly, which is basically our four piece uh, rock group with an additional uh, uh, set of horns, trombone, trumpet, saxophone, and uh, and two other uh, lovely uh, vocalists. The challenges behind them, I have to say, for Alex Cote and Michaela Davis, they both did their best Latin sane impressions with the way they dressed on that night for Ziggy yeah. Stardust. But when you look at something like The Doors, and ironically doing Ziggy Stardust and The Doors, word was that Bowie hated Jim Morrison. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I didn't put two and two together about that. Um, but I don't think they, they're going to bother yeah. you about that. But trying to go, when you go to classic, these things like that, it's, it's quite the challenge. And I think, speaking for myself for the night for Ziggy Stardust, pulled it off. Oh yeah, I mean, as somebody who really, I was just in the wings that night. Um, I didn't, I didn't play that show. Um, you were guarding the I, merch well, table. Yeah, I know yeah, we, we were talking. We we did a we did a few tunes to open the night as a four piece Mighty High and Dry, which which is definitely a cool thread that Alan made sure to keep uh, through the whole 
month, I think, which, which is something, there's something to be said about that, because I think some people on the periphery of, you know, maybe not really fully understanding what, uh, what the residency months are all about or what they've been about in the past might, might sort of think that it's turning into, you know, a place like the Dixie Stampede, which is a, a joint uh, down south, I believe, in North or South Carolina, where they have like Dolly Parton impersonators and, and Garth Brooks lookalikes and shit. And, uh, and, and it, it just ain't that kind of rodeo. I can't see you with that hat. You know? Yeah, it just, it really, it, it's, it really isn't like, I think that that's the picture that some people believe it uh, seems like is being painted. But, but, but like, I, I, like, I want to come out on the record and just say that uh, people are covering records, but, uh, but there's lots of original music that, that we're trying to um, My expose view on it, to. from what I've seen in my friend Sam Snyder, I'm sure you know Sam, yeah. I remember when he, he did the White Album. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was just freaking out, saying, how are you going to do my movie? He said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because yeah. it was so close to him. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. seems like they give you artistic freedom to do all these different things. You pull in some of these, <laughs> some of that, your own stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't think that, that no one's been forced to do anything. But uh, but there's something to be said about familiarity, you know. And, I mean, I won't go and see a movie. I always tell this to students, you know who really need to develop an appetite for newness, you know, possibly, to really get a, a feel of just having a hunger to go check out new music that they don't already know anything about. Um, and that's something that I struggle with constantly, and my older brother has kind of helped me because I think he's a bigger music fan than I am, you know. And, and, and uh, But anyways, um, people need familiarity, so I think that if we got a, a ton of people in the door to, to, to come check out that Door show, for instance, um, well, we, you know, certainly knocked him over the head and surprised him by opening up with our music, you know, and and possibly exposing people, saying, "Ha, we got you in the door for this," but uh, but you're going to check out our, it, our music too. So I, I think it's a win-win. I think cause, years ago that for me one of the albums that got me was Nick Lowe's "Jesus of Cool," and I used to call it what I called it were gateway drugs. And yeah. Count Basie had a quote: "There's no all there is is good and bad music." Because a friend of mine once said he was all into metal and everything, and he said, it's the music you grow up on and you're familiar with, but then all of a sudden you hear this new thing and try it. Yeah. So I like pretty much all kind of music except, like, American Idol and stuff. Really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I like, whenever we get asked on, on shows like this, like, what our influences were, it's uh, it's always funny because I go back to my my childhood, and I know that my, my folks listen to everything, you know. Like, my, my dad... Uh, had country albums and my mom had um like lots of contemporary stuff so in my house i I grew up listening to everything from mc hammer when i was a kid to to like i won't touch that comment no i mean seriously and 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 as much as my generation the way that we listen to music is fragmented i think in, in terms of uh being able to you know, by singing. I remember and... Todd Kratz, my friend, he said we used to go to Lakeshore Record Exchange and we would be those guys have the stack albums like this and you can't say I'm holding my hands way far apart when yeah, on the yeah. podcast. But the the <laughs> nice. first one would be the top would be a Slayer album, the bottom would be a Hank Williams album. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we would do. And I was lucky because as you know Roy Stein, my brother was in a band with them, mm-hmm. New Math and Jet Blackberry. So while other kids were listening to the pop, I was hearing all the different kind of stuff they were playing and even Mazagorski classics and all the alternative music. So I sort of so that's why I have to thank them for me not being popular in grade school but my musical tastes were oh yeah yeah and i think it's important or, or i mean it's it's not necessarily important for someone to be successful in any kind of music um it, i don't think that depends on what they yeah. listen to but but for i i can speak on behalf of myself and i think for our band in general is i think it's important for all of us to to keep uh a lot of uh types of music in our lives you know and and I always talk about music in a way where it's almost like a substance, like it's a tangible thing, like food or, or whatever, you know. And, and I talk to students about that too, because it's, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, you know, you have the, your biggest challenge is what are you going to listen to, you know? And and I dare you to to try an experiment and and listen to something and steep in it, like you know, steep, you know, using that word, uh, steep in it for or marinate in that stuff for six months and tell me that it doesn't change you. Well, full because disclosure, of, and I can say this, like, next week I'm probably seeing Harmonica Lewinsky, which is sort of surf odd out there. Mm-hmm. I go to punk shows, I go to your shows, I goes, I'm going to a ballet at Nazareth this month. Cool, like yeah. That. And yeah. I have to, yeah. 
admit, I'm going to out you as a classical musician because I went to the Penfield Symphony Orchestra Christmas show you were playing. Oh, no and way. Now, what's cool, the cool. difference? Yeah, I sent you a message. Like, Kyle, somebody gave you roses. Yeah, oh, man. It's like, yeah. hey, it's Kyle playing classical. Oh, that's so funny. You, yeah, it was a But how did you get into classical, Tim? What's the difference well, playing classical between that and more rock? Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I only dabbled in classical music while I was studying at Eastman because, obviously, in the master's program, there's... Uh, in the jazz track, uh, you, you've only got four semesters, and uh, and there's just so much. It, there was so much for me to catch up with when I got there. I, I didn't even have time to to use a bow, so I always kind of joke about feeling naked holding a holding a bow. But uh, but I, I did play um, in a couple of, of uh, pretty good s- s- symphony orchestras composed of both students and teachers at a, at a music camp I taught at in Pennsylvania, and and also at SUNY New Paltz. Um, and and I've had a, a, a cool relationship with uh, people like Tony Caramia at Eastman, who has pulled me in on a couple of occasions um, to do um, unique pieces of music, like the Chick Corea piece we did, that that are more um, uh, sort of uh, uh, symphony orchestra with with jazz combo kind of uh, mashups, if you will. Um, and so that's kind of what that was, and and it was just fun to to play such a difficult piece and try to try to gel it all together. And the only thing I can uh, say is that it reminded reminds me of playing in pit orchestras, you know, because I've done a lot of that too, and there's a certain elasticity you have to have with that, and and also uh, versatility. And I do love classical music, and it was really fun. And I do like for Christmas, yeah, it's holiday music, but it's enjoyable. My dad likes it, <laughs> yeah. but I go to all the other ones too. Well, it's relaxing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to ask a question about jazz because mm-hmm. I, th- as far as a musician goes, I would be very good as a vocalist on an instrumental track, and I couldn't carry a tune if you gave me help up a flight of stairs. So mm-hmm. I'm a and I enjoy it, but I'm not good at it at all. But jazz, to me, in a way, would be a little scary to play because there's a lot of improv and everything. So it's mm-hmm. great in a way because you have free reign to go the way you feel, but there's no, okay, I'm going to do this and this. I have to really carry this. Yeah, it's, baby. I hope. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been a tough part of it. But I guess the challenge and really the magic, you know, is, uh, um, and 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 then what what I think I've always gained and continued to gain in terms of respect for classical music is that there's still a lot of that in that music because you know I can read music and I can look at a piece of classical music and read it but I can't bring it to life like like really great classical bassists can you know and and so that's that's where that I think there's a lot of improv there too but but it's funny because in that realm a lot of classical musicians are quick to say oh well I don't improvise and I am always like well yeah you do you know you some just, of these you know. one of the best books mm-hmm. I ever read and it's one of my bibles for books that I recommend the lives of the great composers and one thing you realize all these guys were kind of insane <laughs> sort of kind things, of. but yeah. just there's a They're couple nuts. of them they're pretty nice but it's amazing you would hear Mozart he could remember as soon as he heard it and how this came to life, and just the structure of classical music, it starts at this, okay, then it goes, you really find out there's a, there's a method to everything. Yeah, yep. One of the ones I like is Ray Fawn Williams, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, that that's such a mountain, a monstrous mountain of, uh, of, of music to, to, to even think about or contemplate, and, and it's all beautiful, yeah, I mean, I think that there was a time where I was really zoomed into what I was studying, and, and I think that... Uh, one of the things that helped me not be intimidated while I was among a lot of people that I think were a lot more zoomed in on it than, than myself um, uh, was was just that you know I, I love music for what it is and if you can if you can just fall in love with one of the 12 pitches then you could be on a gig where you're like man this music sucks but I love the note D flat so much that doesn't matter. Well, I have to become old now. <laughs> so it's like you know, cosmic it's like kids these days. Yeah. But it gets me. There's a thing way back when at House of Guitars before Dick Dale came here. I went to go meet him, and what I liked was behind us there were these kids in the high school, and they were obviously the Elkis, and they dug it. And I get a kick out of younger people digging classical music because I have to admit, a lot of times go to the RPO, we're the youngest people. There's a lot of older people, and I'm saying, this is really cool stuff. I'd be probably hard to sell it to younger people. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I'm going to bring up my brother again because he's somebody who's always seeking out music uh, to to the point where I feel like as somebody who plays music, I almost, I'm limited somehow because of the, knowing how, how of the pace that he can just check new music out. But, but he's uh, always one step or two ahead of me, and, and he's shown me a, a way that I think classical music is being continued to be celebrated now and it's it's in more of a contemporary vein and I'll I'll bring I'll bring up a, a modern guitarist that's uh 
really kind of a virtuoso um, a composer of of music that is uh, a, 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 yeah it's this instrumental music that's just beautiful and his name's William Tyler um, and he's probably been been on the scene longer than I thought but I uh, I'm still naive to his stuff but but anyways he his stuff is great and it's it's original um, compositions on the guitar that to me are extremely uh, classically uh, based but but they have such a nod to the contemporary too and and almost like a Nick Drake folk feel to them as well that it it kind of pulls I think it pulls in new young listeners to to uh, to hear some of those classical chops that, that I'm sure he has. Nick Drake was an early 1970s folk singer, very haunting voice, very mm-hmm. interesting. Pink Moon, something, something Moon was on his album. Yeah. I was gonna, mm-hmm. we, as we do, we get around back to the Mighty High and Dry. Why bass? Why bass? Well, early on, nobody else wanted to play the damn thing. No. Well, I thought because <laughs> it's easier to carry around the piano. Well, no, it's, uh, you know, yeah, the bass, it's... it's I started playing in a in a band doing like Creedence tunes and stuff in high school, and my buddy, uh, who was a couple a year older than me, was already pretty pretty good at guitar. So I I was I got an acoustic guitar and was quickly like, well, we can jam together and do this. But but we were kind of looking to form a band because we knew a drummer. So, you know, he had an electric bass I think, and then I I ended up getting a P bass and. I kind of quickly started to dig it and just the feeling of it and how it took a different type of coordination. Do you have any influence? Fingers. I mean, for me, all I could think of is Tony mm-hmm. Levin and Jaco Pastorius. Well, yeah, yeah. As actually, um, early on, I think somebody... It was actually from Weather Report because I said Spyro Gyra at one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the Grey Bases from Weather Report. Um, I I was definitely touched by his stuff earlier than any other electric bass player, I want to say, because I had a teacher give me... Uh, uh, this instructional DVD that he did that was kind of a famous uh, session he did with drummer Kenwood Denard and uh, John Schofield and and they played funky tunes like they played the chicken and, and he talked about and I was more just interested in watching him play and hearing how good his feel was and, and it made it electric bass just look like this unbelievably fun and a lot thing. of a lot of bassist Duff McKagan and many others point to a lot of the the groups like Cameo and Parliament and everything for the bass sound for them, heavier and it's almost like a lead instrument. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, there's so many various types of sound, and I think even in the funk realm, like um, some some sort of distorted or fuzzy bass yeah. sounds that I, I love, and and Alan actually is is hugely um, influenced by you know funk music in general. He used to have a band called Swing and Beef. Um, that was pretty successful in town, and and so that again, I've a, heard a nod to to like that funk stuff, and then how some of the bass lines are real real funky and uh, uh, are definitely. My friend Ryan Hurley uses mm-hmm. nineteen sixteen Grease Creepers, many other bands, and he said, "I because I said I really enjoy the upright bass," and he said the big difference between that and the other bass, this one's a lot worse to carry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, I, and to bring up that, uh, it's funny because. Um, my early influences on upright were probably jazz musicians like Rufus Reed and Ron Carter, but um, then I discovered uh, Medeski Martin and Wood in college and, and got into the, the bass playing of Chris Wood. String cheese instrument? Uh, yeah, you know? yeah, yep, a lot of the jam bands stuff, and that's, again, my older brother got me into that early on. Um, bands like Fish, you know. A lot of, I think a lot of those bands, and it's not a lot of times my cup of tea, but I think a lot of the really talented musicians are in those bands. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of because it takes a ton of stamina, I think, to play that music. And and uh, as I'm trying to coach the ensemble at uh, uh, Nazareth, the rock ensemble there this semester, we're working on uh, Eyes of the World, you know, by the Grateful Dead. And and one of the hardest parts, because chord-wise, that's not a difficult tune, but, but just capturing the, the loose feel that they had that really is sort of a combination of swing and not swing. You know, but there's the joke, I think it's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and their band where they're playing a song and they're going, okay, this takes more than three chords. What, are we becoming a jazz band? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, so, but, but yeah, like checking out all that uh, that jazz stuff in college and it turned me on to Chris Wood and then I really have been following the Wood Brothers since the start of, of their, their stuff and um, they've always been on my radar and I, I've pu- tried to you know, pull as much influence as I, I I could from the playing of Chris Wood because he's, in my mind, kind of the the, I, the essence. I think of the that's the way you go. Is you find people mm-hmm. like that. Ray Bradbury said that about writing. You find a style you like. You start off with it as the palimpsest, as the start to help you, but then you make it kind of your own. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of bands like the High Risers, mm-hmm. they could be out of the 1950s. But in their own way, they're unique. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happens eventually. Yeah, and it's funny. We With the Muddy High and Dry, we, we actually performed as a band with me on Upright for a long time exclusively, you know, just with me on Upright. And uh, and and then eventually I think we did a couple of little tours where, where we needed to just have space in a vehicle. So it made, started to make more sense just to bring the electric in. And uh, but but again, like there's a track on there that I, I'll probably have you play in a bit that that is the one that I wait for the great mystery when doing, Kyle uh, tries to think of what's like ordering out uh, from takeout. <laughs> still, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the upright comes from you know all, all those influences and like w- whether they're jazz players or bluegrass players or people like Chris Wood that I think fuse it all together in a way that uh, you know really inspires me you know so. do you have a favorite in terms of equipment and i've heard this i've always it's what musicians like to be asked nobody asks you what kind of equipment you play is there something more favorable or as long as it is strings and everything will you play it mm. well one thing i've learned is that uh you can really advance yourself um in the music world if you've got nice gear you know and nobody cares if your parents bought it for you or if you you know had to sell a kidney to get it but uh, honestly, and that's one thing I can ah, say. That's is why that, you have stitches back um, there. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's 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 something that um, well, and, and just coming from both worlds, you know, like with rock gear and stuff, it's it's a little cheaper. You know, you can with a few thousand dollars, you can really have people take your sound seriously because it's it's that's you know the difference between that and and always buying used stuff. You know, from from a store around here. Um, but then in the realm of, uh, I mean, w- while I was at school at Eastman, I, I had a an instrument that I still play on that is extremely modest in the grand scheme of things. It's really a, a an instrument that's probably valued at less than twenty five hundred bucks. Um, and I was at school with people that were playing instruments that you know over seventy valued at over seventy grand, and uh, and was lucky enough to live next door to a, a fella um, named uh, Robert Zimmerman, not Bob Dylan, but uh, uh, Robert no. Zimmerman, the, ba- <laughs> the, the, the the great bassist from Rochester, uh, who who. Uh, also has uh, has had some some interesting interesting instruments over the years and 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 so that realm is crazy because again I, I and and not and it not to say that anybody that gets a nice instrument is gonna is gonna do well but but one thing no, I've learned is that, talent, that that I just uh, right, I yeah. I've seen over the years you know people because I'm talking I'm, I'm talking some I've played in some really nice settings with a. a uh, the the you the Hugo of basses and and I think it's <laughs> so and I think and, and well wins. seriously well, I had I mean, a friend of mine in college during the winter his Hugo flipped over on the expressway with the mm-hmm. wind yeah and so and so I think that I've seen I've seen people clearly judge judge my instrument before I've even played it and uh, and 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 not only that but but you know I and I've also played instruments where I'm like wow I I, I can work I have to work like so much less hard to get the sound, you know. And, Though if you gave and, Zach uh, and I instruments, it would still come out terrible. Well, not necessarily. So, I mean, I, I played piano for 12 years. Yeah. I can still read music. I can't play it anymore, but I can still read it. Which brings me to my next thing, my GoFundMe campaign to get yes. my new bass. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's it definitely, it. it's definitely it. a, a serious thing. It's like, you know, um, uh, uh, um, woodworkers got really nice tools if, if they do it for a living, you know, so it's... Uh, it's, it's, they're just tools of the trade at the grand, in the grand scheme of things, but but when it comes to an upright and that that piece of wood, it's got to have a soul to it, you know. And I think that's what's kept me from like really wanting to put myself out there and be like, well, I'll spend ten grand on something in a store, you know. I'm just I'm I, I've played mine so much that I think it's uh, it's got its own mojo going now. And, and like I said, I screw what people think, um, and it, and it ain't tame, and I'll say it in the words of Snooky Young, who I got to meet while uh, I was at Eastman, the great trumpeter. It ain't what you do, it's how you do it. Yeah. Well, that dumb. I've only seen two bands in person that have had it, that have used an upright. Uh, it was years ago when I was at school. I think G Love and Special Sauce played somewhere nice. around here. Yeah, probably RIT or something. Uh, it was either RIT or U of R. It was one of the two. Nice. Because I was going to U of R at the time. Um, and the other was, uh, I think it was the Necromantics. They've got the. They're a psychobilly. Yeah, and they have. Um, a female upright bass player, and the bass is kind of shaped like a coffin. Oh, cool! And I saw it's them. Brian's is like I saw. I saw his. them at a this tiny little club across the street from Cleveland State University. Nice, but That's wild. they. I mean, mm. she was rocking it. 
And it, yeah. and it, it was definitely, obviously, it didn't look like an upright base because it was weirdly shaped. But, man, yeah. she was rocking the hell out of it. I always thing. get scared when they stand on it and they're going to fall down or something. I would never oh, do yeah, that. Don't ever do that. Who was that uh, comedian that did that? Well, Jim Te- uh, Jimbo from Jim Reverend Horror, he does it. Yeah, but, the acrobatics that go with yeah. some of the psychobilly stuff. Yeah, no way. I was going to ask because, I mean, I've known Roy Stein for years. If you know him, he, my brother mm-hmm. was in a band with him. And he's been around for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit familiar with, because of their band, the recording process and i used to say back in the day the joke was it sounded local because you could hear just the quality of it so mm-hmm. which is good to plug to them sundown on venus just got remastered look for it online ha huh? but one of the things it's not plug time i've yet. noticed now for local bands the stuff sounds good and what's been the process going through you've done how many albums i know i have them all but i only brought this one but yeah. what's been the process for recording your studio and everything now well you know, we've had a tight relationship with GFI Studios out in Ontario and uh, Tony Gross, um, and uh, and and I guess the truth is, is Tony. You know, we've always been able to get a great sound that I think is definitely um, put it, puts it up to a, a more of a national platform in terms of quality, um, hands down. But but I think since since we've been been there. A lot of our friends have have been opening up places too. There's just you know I hate to say it kind of, but there's there's lots of competition and there's um, there's just lots of lots of good um, good engineers out out now that I've met in Rochester and uh, and so yeah, there's people making great records. And you enjoy the process. People making too. great How's rap records. How's it gone records, from jazz records? Maybe now records. to the first time you've recorded, you feel more. Uh, comfortable or it's the first time you've ever yeah. gone in the studio because i still don't get the thing for being uh amateur at this that i know a lot of you lay down the tracks i mean you don't play some bands do play live but a lot of times you'll lay down a track you'll do the vocals that just seems like a little jigsaw puzzle yeah and then the next day the guy will come in and play the guitar and then they'll overlay mm-hmm. it yeah that's the thing i think uh my first couple times i was very confused at the just the order of operations but uh but yeah it's just uh you know um Pretty much has been kind of the same way each time, unless every once in a while I think we will do a track. Um, yeah, I think we've done that once or twice where we at least try to track things. As well, a you band want to live. talk briefly about the albums you've done before the new one? Does yeah, sure, like- sure. Our first album, uh, self-titled, um, we did, and I think gosh, that was like 2011 or something, and that was um, that was done at GFI and uh, on our own independent label, Interrupt Records, and. Uh, yeah, that that was with Mike Frederick on guitar and uh, Chris Teal on drums, actively playing in our band. And and let's see, uh, Eric Caterley actually did lay down a track on that one. We had another great guitarist um, play on that on that track or on that record, uh, Dave Riccioni. And um, let's see, yeah, that that album was uh, we were all really happy about that one. It was had a couple funky tracks. I had a track on there that people kind of compared it to Steely Dan, which we we dug and. My dad was a fa- my dad's a fan of Steely Dan. Oh yeah. Well, that's the music yeah. I grew up with him was like Motown and mm-hmm. that whole thing. So that's where my music interest began. Nice. But, yeah. Well, Steely Dan's got that classical vibe too, yeah. jazz. Yeah, yeah and it's a, polished. You he's know, he's an interesting conglomeration. Named after a dildo from a William F. Burroughs story, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Yeah, Dude. Naked lunch. Yeah. Well, it is. I know. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that first album was cool. We're we're all happy with that, and uh, and. After that sort of sank in, a couple of years later, I think it was 2012, yeah, we, we put out uh, uh, The Next Waltz, which was an album we did um, with uh, both those guys still in the band, Mike Frederick and, and Chris Teal. And uh, we yeah had some cool cover art by art, local artist Caitlin Yarsky. Um, hey, we know Caitlin. Yes, Caitlin's yeah. been on here. Many cool, times. cool, yeah. She, she's really, really talented, and uh, uh, yeah, we had, we had her do some cool actually, stuff. Actually, I forgot to mention her, her uh, sorry to interrupt, but... Uh, her latest comic, uh, Coyotes, that we've been pushing, has a copy now in the Library of Congress. That's right. Yes. I saw that on Insta. Yep. Yeah. So that's big shout out to her because congratulations. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that and that album cover is cool because it's based on uh, sort of a little session we went to. Like, what is it? Uh, the, the place right on uh, is it John's Tex-Mex uh, right, on, <laughs> right on Monroe? That that place. Little, was it a take? Was it just a title you came up with, or was it a sort of a take on the band's The Last Waltz? Well, I, I think it was a little bit of that, yeah, for sure, because, um, you know, around that time we, we were doing these, like, little ramble things, we call them, at, uh, at Abilene, where we'd have either some poetry and a couple bands or three bands or, or just our band or 
maybe some drunk people singing on a mic. I don't know. Um, and, 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 and we've definitely, I think, always all, always all shared that uh, common thread of really digging the music of the band. And, and just there's some kind of sincerity in that music that, um, that I think is a huge, uh, I guess, marker for, for, for the mel melting pot of what American music is, you know, because it's not, uh, it, it might not be the best example of a cross section of it, but yeah, I don't know, there, there's just, there's something about that music that is extremely sincere that we all, all continue to dig and, and try to dig into and just pay respect to, because we, a, a bunch of us, uh, or well, a couple of us, Alan and I actually were, were part of a neat, uh, concert at the German house a, a couple of years ago, um, sort of commemorating the like the last waltz oh, concert, i remember that you know? yes so so yeah that's all that's always been and, close and to. i was going to say too there's something about rochester where you're forced if you're a musician you can't just do one project so you've been in other things and one thing i just want to touch on because it's near and dear to me is my plastic son oh yeah yeah i had i had a, had a ball playing with those guys and um and and they still uh have some some great stuff coming out you know with the songwriting team of uh of Roy and Johnny, you know they they've turned out some it's Johnny stuff that, Cummings, and and they've got some stuff that I think is is getting played uh, by a lot of college stations. Settle this thing you know? for me though. The one thing everybody I've taken to see the show, and I don't see it, maybe because I'm not a fan, but a lot of people say they sound like Coldplay a bit. Well, I don't see that myself. I mean, yeah, yeah. I th you know, it's funny. I think we we got we got to yeah. Uh, I, I I can hear that, and sometimes in Johnny's voice, you know, I think he he hits some notes. Um, in, in a particular range that remind me of that that lead singer. Well, but I remember throw I think give it all away the one song that was a single that they did the video for. I said that would be the perfect track to a theme for a James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. Like at the beginning, I could see it. Yeah, you've done a little with Rory's Nobody's Marigold. I think you played it mm -hmm. once, maybe. I think I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and they've uh, oh gosh, that's a great band. Um, yeah, I think I remember you because we were down. Mm -hmm. You were going to L.A. the next day, and I don't know mm -hmm. if you played a song with them or you were there doing something else. Yeah, I may have sat in with them, um, and that's with Roy and 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 his uh, his his wife April uh, Lyrigy Stein. She's awesome artist and a and a great entertainer and musician. And she fronts that band with so much energy and gusto. It's it's really cool. They have a cool. couple of young kids in there too. For yeah, yeah. Has. Yep, a couple nasty. They're fun. And, Check them out. Yeah, and uh, oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's a great group. Yeah, you have a lot of that at Nazareth. Oh. You have a lot of the music coming out of there. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it looks to me when I went to Fishers, it's not just a place I used to get go drunk, get drink beer in the back of the golf course anymore. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Statue of Limitations is up. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of great students at Nazareth, uh, a lot of great music business students that are that take the rock ensemble that I direct, and uh, and you know, I really just um, try to um, try to turn the students on to a lot of stuff, and and kind of meet them in the middle every once in a while too, and try to stay current and relevant to what. And they're always into. for this, of course, we'd be glad to promote that and have them on sometime with you if you'd like. Well, we oh could, yeah, we could come down there if yeah. you guys are do rehearsing or something. Yeah. We'll yep. come down to a live thing. Yeah. We have the technology. Hey, we're getting creative here. This, this, yes. I like this think tank. So go to a little bit of the new album. Sure. Um, the new album is um, is uh, definitely, I would say, just as eclectic in ways as uh, as a lot of our uh, or the other. Two. I would say so. Um, and and I think that this one, um, excuse me, aside from a couple uh, couple with with the full band that are really kind of uh, uh, rocking, has has more of a. Uh, I guess like a lighter, more acoustic vibe to it. Like the track that I'll have you play is, you know, I'm, we'll I'm playing the, the playing the upright and, and everything, and and it's just a it's a great album, and it's got um, one of my favorite tunes I think that that I that Alan has written on here, um, as well as a song that uh, probably has put out the strongest political message um, uh, and message I guess to humanity, you know, um, that we that we have as well called I Was Living Here that has a great music video uh, featuring... Sounds Dan very good on the radio, too, because either Wayo mm. or ITR or something, I heard it on the way home one day. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is really cool. Yeah, yeah, and we were lucky enough to get, um, you know, um, Daniel Ponder... On uh, the Tomorrow and, and, People. And, huh? Yeah, and Brian Lindsay to sing verses on that, too, that are just really powerful. And, uh, and, and you know, that they, they ended up playing that video, um, our music video for that... Uh, as sort of a preview uh, in the Little Theaters series, Witness Palestine. Yeah, and you've done, you played Little, obviously, a lot I've seen. You played a lot of the months there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was, but it was a powerful moment. You know, we watched, uh, Alan and I went to, to one of the 
the Saturday shows, I think, at, during that film festival, Witness Palestine, to watch a pretty powerful film about how, you know, how, how difficult things are over there um, between, uh, yeah, between uh, Israel and Palestine. And, and just oh, that's how, been the history of that. We could do a whole yeah. episode on it. Yeah, it's, 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 just, uh, it's really vicious. And, for years and, so, and years, and it's amazing. If we ever so, get serious, mm-hmm. besides, we do these episodes with our New York Tourism Board member, oh, Jeff yeah. Bauman, yeah. and we go on about, we actually New talk York serious issues right yeah. and go on about that. It's very oh, yeah, complicated. Yeah. Oh, it's super complicated, but, but I feel... Uh, and I and I feel like somebody who was really naive to it even before we we uh, we went to that that video um, to watch that screening and, and we, they did a web uh, kind of a a live Skype with uh, with one of the the film's uh, producers and 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 it was just really informative and 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 we were excited at the end to have even been asked to be a part of it um, because one of the themes in 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 the song is just a kind of a relating to not being not being welcome in your own country and and I think that that's a, a, a huge part of what we're dealing with now in our country you know with with the whole mess so seems they know is everybody it's like you're for this or that and if you're not for this I hate you if you're for that it's too much sure yeah. division and everything and it's really sad mm-hmm. especially to judge people a lot of times if you just no you're like this it's why do that I don't know mm-hmm yeah but. so so I mean so anyways that's a, it's a powerful video and, and we urge you to check it out on YouTube it's got a, lot, a ton of hits you know we uh, 7,000 something like that almost 10,000 well speaking so. of that one of our big things here and we'll be glad to have you back all these other you guys yeah. if they can get up early sure. enough I know yeah that's the thing they they were out at a long one no surprise uh, surprise guys are all working you freaking musicians man. But I, promos, I, I swear to god I'm the only person in Rochester not in some sort of band <laughs> promos promos where, yeah, what you you got? where can we find you what can we do okay cool so so yeah, Mighty Hand Dry has some stuff coming up. Okay, we've got um, we've got a show. This at... is a pro, by the way. After the rough, he's got it written down for once. Oh, like yeah. us. this is like my teleprompter here. Yeah. Uh, so on March 28th, this is coming up. We've got a show um, playing with uh, uh, Moving Mountains, which is uh, Woody's band, Woody Woodruff. Uh, he plays drums in this band, Moving Mountains. They're a great group, uh, and uh, that that's going to be uh, with. And also, Teresa Wilcox and Herb Hines are going to open up that night with a set. So it'll be Teresa Wilcox, Herb Hines, then Moving Mountains, and then the Mighty High and Dry, March 28th at Flower City Station. That's a Thursday. Um, and so then April 28th, uh, we're playing, I think it's the Rochester Half Half, marath- half Marathon? Um, or yeah, it's the Flower City. It's yeah, it's the Flower City Half Marathon. It's or it's a it's a short uh, a shorter one that we do. We do it. This is our crack of crack of dawn gig that we do annually. I think this is like our fifth or sixth year Don't doing it. So we we actually set up right on uh, on East Ave and and uh, and we serenade the runners and and trust me, early on they're extremely excited and appreciative. Uh, if only all of our audiences could be. Uh, doing cardio, it's, they just seem eighty percent more enthused about everything. That's it. We love it. S- spin bikes for everybody so, at the yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. So uh, gig at Midtown. So you ever think of having a gig then? We'll put exercises up the whole gig. Yeah. You just run while you play. That's what I mean. The, the, it's going to be their exercise. It's going to power the speakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So April twenty eighth, check us out on East Avenue live out in the cold. Hopefully it'll be warm by then. Uh, you never know. Early in the morning, but I think it's like seven or eight a.m. for the for the half uh, Rochester. Maybe we'll it's a 5K, Flower City 5K. Uh, and okay, so then coming to the more serious gig here, uh, Friday, May 10th, Mighty High and Dry at Lux. Okay, at Lux Bar, that's going to be a good time. Um, usually, yeah, we we get we get a really good. You uh, might be able to play in back actually at that time of year, maybe instead of inside. Yeah, stay posted. We've got a, a, a .com as well, MightyHighAndDry.com. We've got some. Uh, we have T-shirts and and our albums for sale. You can check us out. You can stream us on on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, any well, of that got stuff. A lot of links to post for this so, one. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Yeah, May 10th, we're at Lux, uh, and then let's see. May 24th, we're going to be at a, a great venue in Fairport called Iron and Smoke. Uh, Iron and Smoke Whiskey, obviously, being the, the distillery out there that uh, has really been uh, winning some awards for... Yeah, word but, to the wise, if you go to the show and you've never been there before, because I've been there many yeah, times. Yeah, you were telling me this. If You went through GPS, and I'll tell you if you ever... Sure. You, you'll get lost. Oh, because yeah. Because the yep. thing is, if your GPS will hit the street, but the street's the back of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So literally, the only time I got there where I didn't get lost once was because... There's a police car around there and the lights are on. And if you pull in the restaurant next to it, you'll ever have time barking up. So just go slow and you'll see it. There's plenty of parking. It's a great venue. 
Yeah, yeah. So we're excited to, to be. Uh, shout out to them. Yeah, shout we're out. Try to get Ch- out there Tommy soon. Brunette. Oh yeah, Tommy Brunette, Iron Smoke. Um, so yeah, we're we're playing there May twenty fourth. We're psyched about our kind of uh, debut show there out in Fairport, town I used to live in. Uh, let's see. And then and then uh, we've got a gig. Uh, on June 8th, we're, we're, we're going to be doing the Rochester Real Beer Expo uh, right in the South Wedge, uh, I think, probably setting up right across from Tap and Mallet. We're, I was going to say, is it still the Tap and Mallet thing with uh, Joe there? Possibly. You know, we, we're not I've sure. I've known Joe for years. Yeah, we know Joe. Joe McBain. Oh, cool. Eons. Yeah, and, oh, and, and, and if anybody's a big customer, Alan and I have uh, definitely, uh, if, if we could own stock in that company... According to how much we've consumed, yeah, there, right. uh, we'd we'd be we'd or be big feed, shareholders. You're just, so. you're just feeding your own. Uh, <laughs> well, it's one of those near the end of the expo. You could play a kazoo, and some people might not care. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the greatest ever. Yep, so so yeah, we're psyched about that though because uh, you know we, we love beer and we love uh, Is all that going to be outside. And yeah, it's usually a nice day that they block off to kind of a block party in the wedge. So. I wonder so, if they'll put it in that parking lot across. I know oh, yeah. they've done some because I've seen bands down there where they do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So. What um website uh, is your tour dates and stuff on there? Yeah, we buy your CDs, buy got, your merch. Yeah, any of our information is, is give them uh, money for a new base. Check out our yeah exactly our GoFundMe. Uh, no, uh, is uh, just uh, themightyhighanddry.com. dot com. Um, all with all one word and the uh, mighty high and dry. Yeah, I'll and, put a I'll put a link underneath this so check yeah. it out. Yeah, and so we've got that. We've got a, a Facebook page, uh, and uh, and you can follow us on uh, on Instagram. Uh, the mighty high and dry. Oh, we'll have to and, follow uh, you on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, like and and again, we've got a lot of stuff cooking. Um, possibly some festivals too into the spring. Uh, I, and I actually, you know, I'm forgetting a big one too. We're playing Harbor Fest, uh, in Oswego, and geez, I'm fumbling now. It's not that to even far. Find away. that out, but but uh, but yeah, that's Oswego. that's going to be really. coming up. Check out their website. I'm sure they'll post our our link. Maybe at a future date, return to the little too. Anytime. Yeah, I think we've got some stuff coming up there too into the spring. I admit, um, I love the piano they have in there. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good spot for us. Sometimes we've done more pared down acoustic, obviously more acoustic shows in there, which which again will will kind of reflect the track. I'll have you play. And um, we'll just we have our sponsor. Yeah, we have our we sponsor. Have previous episode. Brought to you by Upsitnik and Associates, lawyers for you, the people, from the Supreme Court to Alaska, all points in between for 40 years. Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook, UpsitniksLaw.com. Rob, what else you got? It's been really fun. Yeah, that was good. That was informative. But now, because you're the musician and I'm going to stumble on names, you're going to play a track from your new album, and it's American Record. Yeah. It's got a little, looks like it, and you pick it out, pick pick out whatever you want. Cool. Um, Explain it just a little what it's about, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, the record uh, is called American Record, and and basically, um, you know, there's, I think, given some of the, the themes here, especially uh, with the track I told you I was living here, we have a music video for featuring Daniel Ponder and Brian Lindsay. Uh, so find is, that on YouTube, guys. Yeah, it uh, deals with some really heavy issues that are extremely American issues right now. Uh, Take These Chains, another track on here that uh, is um, dedicated to some people that have lost their lives uh, in uh, in the shower of gunfire because of, um, you know, being different. Um, so, again, a lot of the themes in this on this record. And it is a bit of a theme for the album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so and I think what I'll have you do is just play the uh, the title track, um, track one. Um, I just, I really dig this this tune. I think well, it's everybody too. Powerful. Get the album, listen to it. Go. It's say, all go good. To the, go to the website, get the album, support them. Yeah, and please. We, so what it's going to be coming up is Musical here. America. Yeah, Musical America. This is. A... See, thanks a lot, well, Kyle. Been fun, and, and we'll see you sometime exactly. at NAS. Cool. Yes. Yeah, come yeah, check we'll it out. Definitely, and we'll say hi, Roy. And here's the Mighty High and Dry with Musical America, and we're out of here. See you. Yeah, we've been at it for centuries. Everybody checking each other out. Africans, Europeans, natives All searching for the sound We learned in the streets And in the fields From the schools and the land From our families And we passed it along Had lessons in grade school And we played through high school Some gave it up, some kept going We sang in church, and we sang in the shower We sang for love, 
and we sang for power. I just want to be part of that song. I just wanna be part of that sound 